we're going to go ahead and get started. How's everybody doing tonight? Amen. Amen. Oh, God is good. And all the time. That's right. Amen. Let's all stand. We're going to go ahead and bring our praises and our prayers and our petitions to the Lord in song tonight. Our hands, 
We lift up our hearts We lift up our lives Unto you Let's give the Lord praise tonight Hallelujah Hallelujah Brother Bob, would you open us up in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence again, Lord. We love you. Thank you for being with us. Help us to learn of you, Lord, and let you flow through our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen.
and apart from you, there is no one. We thank you so much. Lord, we just declare you tonight sovereign. We declare you king. And Lord, just as Israel followed the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud in the wilderness, Lord, so we surrender ourselves to you here tonight. Lord, we may not always know where you're going, but we know that you're a good God. Lord, we know that we can trust you. We know that you're with us. We know that you're for us and that you'll never leave us and that you'll never forsake us. We thank you and we praise you so much tonight. Savior, Spirit, lead me 
trust is without borders Let me walk upon the waters Wherever you would call me Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander And my faith will be made stronger In the presence of my Savior I will call for your name For a song in itself 
is not what you have required. You search much deeper. You search much deeper within. Through the way things appear, you're looking into my heart. Come on, sing it out to the Lord tonight. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. Yes, it is. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made, and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. genuine heartfelt Lord not as something that comes from our lips Lord but comes from the deepest parts of our bearing Lord we can't begin to praise you enough and we can't begin to thank you enough for such a great love that you pour out on us 
We love you. We thank you. And we praise you. Oh, Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I seek. And when your eyes are on this child, your grace abounds to me. Let's sing that again. Oh, Lord, your beauty. to take your word and shine it all around first help me just to leave it alone and when I'm doing well help me to never seek a crown for my reward is giving glory
Father God, we just want to thank you for this time. Lord, I want to lift up every man and woman here and every family member represented through them, wherever they might be, Lord. I just pray that you touch them today. Whether it be with a word of knowledge or with healing, Lord, or just comfort and loneliness. Father, I pray that you'd bless us to be a blessing. I pray that we wouldn't shirk from our responsibilities as priests to spread your word and your light. I pray that you'd empower us and we receive the strength needed to do so, Lord, in Jesus' name. We love you, Lord. Thank you for this time. I pray that you bless the time of sharing and prayers. We come before you, Lord. We just thank you for this time of worship. Thank you for your presence among us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, all God's men and women said, Amen. Amen. God is good. All, all the, the time. time. All the time. God, God is good. good. God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. God is good. All, all the time. time. All the time. God is good. Now, before we go into what we usually go into, I'm going to ask you guys to step outside of your comfort zone and just show God your appreciation for bringing you through to another Saturday where we can come together in fellowship and glorify his name. Give God praise in this place today. We serve Hallelujah. a good God, amen. amen. You all may be seated. Amen. Always like seeing people branch out. And um, today we have a, a new person. He's not new to the congregation, but he's new to doing this function. So today I believe Brother Otto is going to be leading us in a time of prayer. Let's welcome our Brother Otto. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory be to God. I ain't going to get excited like Brother uh, Ray Ray over here. <laughs> but uh, when Brother uh, Kevin asked me if I do this tonight, I was like, oh. I was kind of like, I, don't, I can't say no for the things of the Lord. So um, I'm here, and I just want to, it's such a privilege to be here. I always say it when I... When I give a praise report, I always say it's a privilege for me to be here all the time amongst brothers and sisters for what God has done in my life and, and, uh, and the life that I see and everybody here. So uh, I give God all the glory and praise him. And, and he's, our, he's our Jehovah Jireh, our provider, Jehovah Nisi, who fights for us. He's our Jehovah uh, Shalom, the Prince of Peace. And for that, I worship him. Gracious Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you tonight for uh, this beautiful time that we had and uh, sharing a meal and sharing a, and worshiping you in song, Father God, and uh, hearing all the praise reports, Father God, and, knowing that you are with us, Father God, knowing that you never leave us nor forsake us. just want to thank you. We want to lift all the petitions that were, were said to, tonight, Father God, all the petitions that are, are in our hearts, Father God, that you know, Father, 
we just want to lift them up to you and, and, and make a way and comfort those in need, those that are hurt, and those that need help, Father God. We ask for wisdom. Thank you, Father. We love you, and uh, thank you for preparing us heart, our hearts in worship to receive your word tonight. And uh, we lift up our brother that brings our your message tonight, Father God. And uh, we love you, we praise you, and we glorify you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um. Before we continue, I want you to take a look at the people that are around you. And look at how God is bringing this family together. There are some people that have, are here for the first time. Some people who came to join us and have become part of us. Some people that we haven't seen in years and yet they're able to come fellowship. And in everybody who's been part of this fellowship for quite some time. In the short amount of time that we've been in this building, very short, maybe a year and a half. And God has grown and solidified this congregation and brought so many different people, different parts, different aspects, different giftings into this congregation. And it's a wonderful thing to watch it. And I urge you, uh, number one, to soak in what you're around. Let, don't, don't rush today, don't rush this moment. Yesterday in practice, um, Kevin had mentioned in one of our songs, he said, don't rush it. And that's a sensitivity to not just let's just sing the song and let's play the chords and let's do what God's got to do, but no, let's, let's let it soak in. Let's be a sponge and just sit in God's presence and just let the Holy Spirit speak to settle all the voices, all the things going on, all the chaos outside, and just let God speak. Even in worship, just letting God speak to our hearts. Sometimes you sing, sometimes you don't. So, I, I urge you as, as we go, you know, cherish this moment. Cherish every moment and just look and see what God is doing, not only in the midst of this congregation, but what he's doing in your own life. And just to see with all the ups and downs, the challenges, which I'm pretty sure Kevin's gonna tell you about in a moment, um, look and see what God is doing. And as somebody said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because he is. No matter what it is that we're dealing with, he still has brought us through. And no matter what it is that we stuff, suffered, he still says that nothing shall separate you from the love of God. So let's be thankful. If you, if you had a good week, if you had a bad week, if you showed out this week, <laughs> Ray's looking at me, or, or if, you, uh, you know, if you had a great week and it was peaceful, either way, praise God for bringing you through it. Praise God for this moment. And let's open our ears and our hearts for the spirit to speak to us as he would. Tonight is the last Saturday of the month, and today I get the uh, honor and the privilege of welcoming our brother, Kevin. Um, before he comes up here, and as he's getting ready to come up here, we're gonna have a special. Um, hopefully we do more of these, but a special which is gonna be done by two wonderful brothers, so I'm gonna ask Brian and Chris to come up here, and they're gonna lead us, and I hope you join them, if you can. And you'll see what I mean in a minute in worship in this moment. Join us if you can. Anyway, the challenge has been thrown out there. 
I don't speak Spanish. So Chris is like, hey, let's do this uh, song in Spanish. And I'm like, Ugh. but once again, when you're in a weakened state, that's where the Lord can come in and he can take over. And I don't even want to learn Spanish now because what he's done doing through me with, with Spanish, and it's not about me, guys. I'm just saying that if you surrender, great things can happen. That's all I'm trying to say. And this song's great. It's real pretty. And we're going to sing it and give praise to the Lord. But Jimmy, I hope you're listening because this goes out to you, brother, because Jimmy introduced this to us when we were up at Kingman. And I pray that it blesses you at home. Enjoy that ice cream. Yeah. 
to waste an introduction, so thank you. <laughs> Good evening. I want to welcome our guests and our family that is returning again. It's good to see you all, people we haven't seen in years. And Richard, it's good to see you home, bro. Good to have you home. I'm going to talk a little bit tonight about football. Okay. Um. something that the Lord laid on my heart about three weeks ago. Um, kind of interesting. Seku was preaching and, and uh, he had been going probably, what, six or seven weeks. And I, I got to tell you, we need to lift him up in prayer. The amount of spiritual battle that goes on when, when John's preparing or when Martin's preparing or even when I'm preparing, it's amazing the things that we have come up against us. As a reluctant shepherd, he does this week in and week out. And we need to lift him up in prayer each and every day. And thank God for this man. So, Every February, a near national event, well, it's a national event, we'll call it a near national holiday now, happens. Second week of February, it's known as the Super Bowl. Super Bowl's been around for what, 52, 53 years now? And the trophy that they award is called the Lombardi Trophy. And they named the Lombardi Trophy after Vince Lombardi, who was a coach for the Green Bay Packers back in the 50s and the 60s. And he would start out every, uh, every summer camp holding up the football, and he said, gentlemen, this is a football. And Richard's back there laughing because it, it, it seems a little crazy. Here we have men that are getting paid to play football, and they're starting out with identifying what it is that they're knocking around the field. But Vince Lombardi brought this up because he wanted his team to be fully grounded fully founded in the rudimentary principles of how to play football. Because if you don't have a foundation, you don't have a base, you're not going to get too far. And in the same way, uh, tonight we're going to talk about that, the foundations of our faith. And when I mean the foundations of our faith, it's not to rebuild a new foundation that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ laid but I want to talk about our walk, what it is. I want to talk about our words, what they are. And I want to talk about our witness and what that is. So in a sense, gentlemen and ladies, 
this is a football. In the book of Romans, Paul talks about us being dead to sin and alive to Christ. And while we haven't, we'll get to our foundational text in a moment, I just want to lay out a couple things for consideration while we move toward this point. Being dead to sin does not mean that we still won't sin, but we are to consider ourselves dead to it, that it does no longer have any rule over us. We're not obligated to sin anymore. We're not obligated to do the things that our flesh wants us to do anymore. We've been made free in Christ. We're alive to him. We're alive to follow him. We are free to do those things that he has called us to do. We are free to grow in the knowledge and love of him and to share that with others. The book of Ephesians says we are his masterpiece. The word that is used there is poema, which, you know, is, is a Greek word that describes something that is done by a master craftsman, by a master painter. And if you think about it, God reached down into the soil of the earth and created this masterpiece that we have as a body. And we have a purpose, and that purpose is for good works in him. Paul writes in Colossians 3, 5 through 7, Therefore put to death our earthly nature. And he lists some pretty tough things that people normally don't talk about in church. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. We don't talk about that in church too much. Here, a lot of guys, this kind of got us here. Sexual immorality, lust, greed. These things stood between us and our Lord. And we chose them over our Lord. And in his great grace, he allowed those consequences to be easy on us. Because there are sins that lead to death. And yet he looked down time and he saw that we were redeemable. How awesome is that? You know, I don't understand that. I, I can't tell you how many times I was in jail, even though I had told the Lord that I would surrender my life to him and just ask him, Lord, let me just have a heart attack tonight. I just, I don't want to be here anymore. I can't do this. And he always said, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is going to be made perfect through your weakness. Amen? So this was our old life, chasing the things of the flesh, this chasing the things that made us happy. Whether it was the sports cars and a, and a business and a lifestyle that we were chasing, whether it was the next high that we were chasing, whether it was chasing the next fill in the blank, those things that we were worshiping. That was our old self. That's not who we are today. And that is the gospel. Amen. We've begun to put on the new self, and we do that through
through relationship with Christ Jesus. His blood has covered those sins. And now we stand in front of our Father and he doesn't see our sins, he sees Jesus. That's the gospel. So as we get into our, uh, our main text, and just one more thing to think about. Um, an Irish Catholic priest, a rabbi, and a Pentecostal minister go out fishing one day. Okay. Normally it was the priest and the rabbi, but, but the Pentecostal minister was new in town, so, uh, so they thought they'd, in a, in a spirit of brotherhood, that they would invite him along to go fishing. So they all get in the boat early one morning and they start to get out offshore and they get about 15, 20 feet offshore and uh, the, ra the, uh, the rabbi says, oh, I left some kippa snacks back in the car. Let me, go, let me go get it. He steps out of the boat, walks across the water, onto shore, goes to the car, comes back walking across the water, gets back in the boat. Pentecostal priest was, or preacher was like, well, what was that? And, uh, and the Irish Catholic priest was looking around. He goes, ah, you know, I forgot my bait. Let me go, let me, let me run back to the car as well. Give me just a minute, boys. He hops up, walks across the water, hits the shore, hits the car, comes back, walking across the water, gets back in the boat. Now, by this time, the Pentecostal minister is beside himself. John's laughing because he's... <laughs> Uh, so, not to be outdone by the Jewish leader or the Catholic leader, he's, he's got to show him that, well, he's, he's, got this, he's got the Holy Spirit too. <laughs> so, he says, you know what, guys? He says, I got some soda back in the, that, I, that I brought along in the cooler. Let me go ahead and grab it before we put out in the deep water. So, he gets one foot out the boat, and he goes straight down into the drink. And as he's coming up, he hears the rabbi tell the priest, you think we should have told him about the stepping stones back to shore? <laughs> so as we turn to, let's turn to our text. It's Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. When you're there, say amen. If you're not there yet... We love you anyway. I got, I got my thick readers on tonight, so. I won't be wearing them because I'm much better fuzzy. All right, let's go ahead and stand as we read the word of the Lord. Matthew 5, starting with verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out from under and trampled under people's feet. You are a light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the entire house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Lord, we thank you for your word. Truly, it is light and it is life to us.
Lord, let the words that I have be given from you. Lord, let our hearts be open to receive your word. Speak to us tonight, Lord, so that we would hear what you would have for us. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. So, is our walk our witness? Let's, let's start by defining what our walk is. Uh, according to the dictionary, it is an out, well, it's an outward demonstration of behavior that comes from our internal condition. We demonstrate outside what's in us. No matter how good we make it look on the outside, it's going to come out. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. And he confronted the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders of his time with that. He said, you guys are a bunch of beautiful whitewashed crypts, but inside you're full of dead men's bones. On the outside, it's beautiful. You know, all the, I don't know if you guys have, have ever seen some of the, some of the old Canaanite graves um, when they, uh, Discovery had a, Discovery had a, a show on where they were actually looking for the coffin of Jesus. But they were showing these Canaanite graves and they were made out of limestone, but they had intricate carvings all over them. And they were just absolutely beautiful. But inside, you still had the stench of decay. You still had the decomposition of our flesh. And those things that were on the inside, you wouldn't want on your outside. So when we walk, is that our witness? The first answer is yes. It is our witness. As, as we saw in Romans, we are dead to sin and alive to Christ. And we demonstrate that to others by the way that we walk by the way that we behave. You know, Sekou talked about this uh, last week, and uh, it just, it really struck me. Um, the whole notion that we're not hypocrites when we try to be religious. We're hypocrites when we're out doing things that we're not called to do. And, and you think about that. That is on the head of what the world takes a look at. Because the world expects us to behave like them. The world expects us to fit in. But we put it back on its head. Because we have a different way. We have a higher calling. We have a higher lifestyle. We are no longer of this world. But we've been made prophets, priests, and kings. Amen. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone would hear me, I will come in and dine with him. For guys that have been incarcerated or still incarcerated, you know what it is to break bread with someone. And there's a, a, a certain connection that is made on the inside, sharing a meal with somebody. And I, I don't know if it's still like this now, but I know that in the chow hall, 
races were not allowed to mix. I could be having I could be having a conversation with Sekou on the outside, and we could just be having the best time. We got in the chow hall. He went and sat with his race. I went and sat with my race. So when Jesus said he's going to come in and dine with us, he's going to share a meal. He's going to break the bread, the bread of his body. He's going to share with us. And it's a very intimate thing. And those intimate things that he does in our lives changes us. And that's what makes the outward clean. And it's not something that we can do on our own. It's something that he does. It's something that changes us. For myself, and, and I'll probably mention it again, before I really surrendered my life to the Lord, I didn't care about anybody. I lived a double life. You know, I was a good little Christian guy. Went, went to church on the weekends, did praise and worship, but I had a different life. And I was doing things that other people didn't necessarily see. And I didn't care. When I committed my life to Christ, that changed. I cared about who I hurt. I recognized when people loved me and accepted me for who I am and that they wanted the best for me, I wanted to give them my best. And especially in light of what Christ did for me, I want to give him my best. I don't always do it. This past 10 days for me have been some of the most, haven't been the most catastrophic, but they haven't been easy. And I've gone through a few things this week that I just, I got to confess to you guys, I haven't done well. But praise God, if we do sin, we have an advocate that will defend us before the Father. We have an advocate that will stand against our accusers and say, you know what? Yeah, he screwed up this week. I've already got it covered. It's paid in full. Amen. Paid in full. And then there's nothing that the accuser can do to us. Outwardly, the Bible says in 1 Peter to live properly among the non believers so that they may praise God for your good works on the day of judgment. So they see our works, and people do see our works. They do see the way that we behave. And in that way, we do witness to them. And we can witness to what a changed life looks like. And I, I would dare say for everyone in this room that is on paper, we demonstrate that to the system. It's not the things that we do. It's not that we're earning our way to heaven. It's not that we somehow pull ourselves up by the bootstraps to make ourselves better. But it's the demonstration of a changed life through Jesus Christ. First Thessalonians. This, this, is one of, this is probably one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. Paul calls us to continued increasing excellence. If you, re, if, if you read that, that chapter, First Thessalonians 4, there's a phrase that pops out, at least to me, 
three or four times that you would exceed or excel still more. It's not just we get saved, we get to go to church and sit on our blessed assurances until the Lord comes back. He wants us to go forth and improve. Thessalonians 4.11, it says, lead a quiet life to work with your own hands so that you would not have any lack and that you would be a witness to outsiders. So the, the way that we do behave is important. And it is a witness to other people. Jesus said that God is glorified as we bear much fruit. And that is our good works. But they're not wrought by ourselves. They're wrought through a yielding to the Holy Spirit. You know, and, and Brian, we're... Uh, Brian talked about it right before he sang. The Holy Spirit can do such wonderful things when we're willing to let him lead, when we're willing to let him take the helm. And we don't always understand where the, where the Lord is going. We don't understand what he's always doing, but we can trust him. We can trust him with everything. If you profess faith in Christ, we're trusting him with our eternal destiny. And we don't always keep that in mind. I don't. A lot of times I just think about it as, you know, God, I just want to be happy. Well, haven't found that passage in Scripture yet. In this world, you will have many pleasures. No? In this world, you will be very happy. No. No, he says, in this world, you will have many trials. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's the thing that he gives us. That's a treasure that no man can take away. That's a treasure that our enemies cannot take away. Satan himself cannot take that away. And it angers him to no end. So, is our walk our witness? Answer number two, no. At least not by itself. There's a quote that was attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. It said, go and preach the gospel everywhere, and if necessary, use words. And for a long time, I thought, ah, that is awesome. That is just awesome. I could do that. But that goes back to being a whitewashed tomb. Or at least I run that risk because it's all on the outside. I came across a, a, uh, an essay that I want to share a little bit out of you that really got me thinking about this. So if our witness is simply good works, what does that mean for those who have other philosophical lifestyles or patterns of thought? If our witness is simply good works, where does that put a good Muslim? What about a good Mormon? What about a person who, in this culture, might be homosexual? 
but otherwise leads a humanitarian life. What if they're just a really nice person? Does that convey the gospel of Christ? No. A good walk in itself is often unpersuasive in its own right. And I mean, you think about it. If you're having a conversation with somebody and they're like, well, I'm a good person, why do I need Jesus? You know, I, you know, I give every, every paycheck, I, I donate money to the homeless, I, I, you know, I buy food for the food bank, I take clothes to the clothing bank. You know, isn't that what Jesus said we were supposed to do? Feed the, feed the hungry, give water to those who are thirsty, clothe the naked. You don't have to be saved to do those things. So why do we need Jesus? And probably the toughest thing, and probably meddling, as Seku would say, while our visible hypocrisies versus our confession of faith does not undermine the gospel, it does validate our walk. And we've seen guys come to church, and not necessarily in this body, and I, I, I haven't seen it in this body, praise God. But you see guys that come to church, and for 45 minutes they've got their hands in the air, they've got tears running down their faces, they're falling out, slain in the spirit. They're, they're in the back of the room shouting amen, amen, amen while the preacher is speaking. And as soon as they're done, they go out, sorry guys, they light a cigarette. Hey, 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 did you hear the one about? And seemingly no change. They just went through a ritual. We're not called to a ritual. We're called to relationship. Amen. And that's part of the gospel. But people won't necessarily see that from our walk. And you know, I screw up all the time. And it doesn't make the gospel any less, more, uh, less effective. It only undermines and underline, not undermines, but underlines the fact that I need a savior. Because I can't do this on my own. I cannot stand in front of a being who is morally perfect and pure and demands that out of his creation. I cannot stand in front of that. I need a savior. And just to put the exclamation point on it, um, years ago, when I was playing on the Top 40 circuit in Seattle, one of the bands that I was with, um, it was a very interesting conversation. I had just joined up with the band, and uh, the lead vocalist and, and worship, worship leader, band leader, um, wanted me to, to ride to the gig with him. And it was an out-of-town type of thing. So when I got in, his, in, in the van, he had Chuck Swindoll on the radio. Now, I don't know if you, who knows Chuck Swindoll. A lot of people do. For those that don't and those that are listening, Chuck Swindoll is an educator. He is a preacher. He is an evangelist. And he is on faculty at Dallas Theological Seminary. He is a man of God. He is very knowledgeable about God's word. 
And this gentleman had come to what he considered salvation through Dr. Swindoll's ministry. And he said, have you ever heard of Chuck Swindoll? And I, I said, you know, this time, I'd grown up in the church, okay? I was away from the Lord. I was out chasing my own dreams and living my own life the way that I thought. And so I was, I was kind of like, eh, I, I think I've heard of him. And he says, well, yeah. He says, I just want to let you know. He says, he says, I'm saved. I'm sanctified. Jesus saved me. I'm covered by the blood. And now I can go out and do anything that I want. So I'm going to go out. I'm going to chase all the, and, I, and I'm, I'm cleaning this up. I'm going to chase all the tail that I want. I'm going to drink all I want. I'm going to get as high as I can because I know I'm going to be saved in the end. Some groans going on out there. Okay. That man, I believe, raped a woman at gunpoint. I can't prove it. And it's something that I live with for myself because I wish I had more proof because I would have gone to the police right away. But he claimed to be saved. So we can present the gospel and be the most erudite theologian on the face of the planet and people still won't get it. But we need to walk it as well as talk it. And if we're going to talk the talk, we need to walk the walk. And if we're walking the walk, that makes talking the talk that much easier, right, bro? Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I love you, Ray. I really do. Let's take a look at Romans chapter 10. And we're going to go to verse 14. You guys there? Amen. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. We're called to scatter seed. It's as simple as that. Jesus talked about it in the parable of the soils. The word of God. Everywhere we go. Just bring a little bit here. Bring a little bit there and let God worry about the rest. It's part of the gospel. It's part of the good news. And we talked about it. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. We talk about the things that interest us. We talk about the things that excite us. Chris and I were talking about the other day. He was like, dude, he said, I went to Goodwill. I got this radial direct box for what? 250. 250. Okay. For most people, you're like, what is that? Okay. Radial is a, is a company out of Canada. They make primo recording gear. 
And a direct box usually runs anywhere, 100 bucks plus. And he got it for $2.50. He was excited about it. He wanted to tell me about it. Seku and I do this at work all the time. He comes walking in, you know, he, he starts talking about, you know, he, he's got this, this brand new pedal, and it's really cool. Uh, it, and he talks about how he plugs it in and just, it starts feeding back a little bit, and the dog starts howling and scratching at the door to get out. And, and it's just, I just, I'm just like, yeah, I like it. I like it, you know. Or, you know, it's just like, you know, Deb, the things that are precious to her. She talks about, she shares with us, you know, when she gets to go see her grandkids up in Colorado and she comes back and she's always beaming. Those are the things she's excited about and those are the things that she shares. We could, we could continue going around the room. The things, the things that we, well, I'll just say, the things that push our buttons and flip our switches those are the things we talk about to other people. And it causes me to answer the, ask myself the question, why am I not more excited about my salvation? The greatest thing that ever happened to me. I have a tendency to just think about it last. And you hear preachers talk about that people don't care what you know until they know how much you care. And in a sense, I suppose that's true. But at the same time, we should be able to recognize when we have those opportunities to share. And how many times do we miss those things? The word itself, witness, is actually a legal term. It means someone that has first-hand account of something. So if you're standing on the corner and you see someone running a red light and, you hit, and they hit another car, you're a witness to that accident. If you are at a baseball game, or we'll go back to football. Thank uh, you. Okay. Okay. I'll share one of my favorite football stories. There was a playoff game with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I don't remember who they were playing, but I remember it was a pouring down rain in December in Pittsburgh. And I, I think Terry Bradshaw, was he the quarterback for the Steelers at the time? I think it was Bradshaw, yeah. And um, I remember he dropped back for a pass, and he threw this thing about 30 or 40 yards, and the receiver... He didn't even look back, he looked up. And he, as he was losing his footing, he cut the football like this, skidded through the end zone, and scored the touchdown, and the Steelers won the game. And I think it was Donald Stallsworth was the one who, was, who caught that pass. And it was the most amazing thing I have ever seen. There's some great players today that pull off some amazing plays. They're as fast as lightning taking off down the field. They got hands like geckos. You know, is is you know like the old Larry Fitzgerald commercial where he pop, pop, he just sticks out his hand and the football sticks to it, you know. But this was it was a fantastic catch, and I like telling that story. But I could also say that I was an eyewitness to history, to sports history through that because I've never seen that happen again. 
Just like if, like last summer, when you seen the smash and grabs, somebody uh, somebody broke into an Apple store and took some iPads, that made you an eyewitness. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. That's all bad. But it is a legal term. And we all have a witness. We all have a first-hand account. We all have a story to tell. And sometimes, in our own eyes, it's not that big of a deal, you know? I was born and raised in a little mining town in North Idaho. No one's ever heard of. Bless you. No one probably will ever go there. And the town will eventually die because the mining industry dried up years ago. But I still have a story, and it's my story. No one else has that story. No one else can share that story. Chris has a story that no one else has. Louise has a story. Steve, Dave, Steve. Brian, Steve. <laughs> Richard, Steve. <laughs> we have stories. And they might seem small in our eyes, but they're not small in God's eyes. He wrote these in his book before we were even conceived. You know, it's, it's interesting. In the, in, in the book of Revelation, it talks about all these books being opened. And really, you know, for the longest time, it was like I figured out, I was wondering, how in the world is God able to see the beginning from the end? Well, in the same way, it, it's, it's like a book. If, if you go pick up a novel by John Grisham, first couple chapters in the novel are going to be kind of slow. And if you want to get to the good stuff, you flip the page. And if you were a character in that book, you seemingly skipped over that moment of time. And it, you, can, you can read the first chapter and the last chapter within a minute's time. And I think, I, 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 just my own reasoning, that our lives are the same way. We're a book that has been written. And the reason that God knows it front and back, number one, is because he wrote the book. And number two, he can be in the middle of that book at any given time by turning the page. He's there for us. He knows us. It's important to him. Otherwise, he wouldn't have written it. That's staggering to think about. The things that we see small in our own eyes, God thought was important enough to include in our lives. You know, a lot of people are, I don't know, fatalistic, if you want to call it that, saying that everything happens for a purpose. Well, in a sense, I, I, it does. In a sense, it does. But it, we might not see that purpose. We might not see the, res, the results of our choices 15, 20 years down the road. And some of the choices that we made 15, 20 years ago, we wish we could take back. But we can't. But God already knew it. And he still said, I'm going to keep this in this story. And that story belongs to you. And it belongs to you. And it belongs to you. So when we speak of those things, we are witnesses. And the things of which we speak are our testimony. Our testimony in sharing the gospel is our 
witness. And really, you break, break it down into five parts, and uh, we're going to go over that tonight. Number one, I'm a sinner who needs a Savior. I think anybody who's been incarcerated, if you're honest with yourself, we know we've sinned. Yeah, we, we can go ahead and laugh about it, but there's some guys that don't believe that they've never done anything wrong. I don't have an anger problem. You need to stop making me mad. Then there is the good news itself, that God sent his son who led a perfect life, died for us, shed his blood to cover our sins, was raised on the third day, and ascended to the right hand of the Father, and has given us the Holy Spirit so that we can live for him every day. That's good news. That is real good news. How receiving the gospel has changed me. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. What he continues to do. You know, he's working on me. Things that I used to do, I don't do anymore. Thank God. You know, um, I, just, I had a, a someone at work that said, you know what, six months ago, you would have done this. You're doing this. It's different now. And it's not because of anything that I've done other than just get out of the way and let God do his work. And I think that's important for all of us. You know, we, we see that so many times. You know, whether, whether we're just trying to get our feet on the floor in the morning and get to work on time, or whether we're doing some kind of spiritual battle, we have to let God do the work. We co-opt with that, but it's him that gives us the power. And then, finally, our hope for the future. You know, we, we've kind of forgotten about that. We've forgotten about our eternal destiny. We get caught up in the things of the world. And we forget what heaven's going to be like. You know, being, being from the Northwest, probably one of the most beautiful things that I, I ever witnessed was when the sun would rise on a clear day in Seattle. Steve knows about this. And you would see the sun come up on the eastern side and it would start light, lighting up the Olympics, which miles away, but they're all covered with snow, probably what, eight, nine months out of the year? And they would go from this dark purple color as part of the dark sky to a lavender to a brilliant white when that sun hit it. And that pales in comparison to the beauty that we're going to see in heaven. God's creation declares his handiwork. Whether we're looking at, at things like leaves or mountains or even sometimes our own failing bodies. You take a look at the, at the engineering that it takes to make an eyeball work. The specialized cells that not only define color and darkness and light, but they also send signals to our brain that keeps us going to sleep at the right part of the time so we're not up 36 hours and then sleeping for 42. 
It regulates our system so that we are healthy. All those things are from a loving, creative God that has a future and a hope for us. I was never taught, formally taught what, how to witness. Um, and Blake, if you would help me out, sir. Everybody gets a door prize tonight. And you get, you get a bookmark, and you get a bookmark, and you... Yeah, yeah, there we go. Um, so everybody gets one of these tonight, and we're, and we're going to go over it real quick. Sharing the gospel does not have to be a major sermon. It really doesn't. You can cover it in five minutes. Doesn't necessarily mean that's all the time you'll get. You might have more. But if we're walking the walk, it's going to open up doors for us to talk the talk. And if we're talking the talk, I truly believe that, that if the Spirit is guiding our, our voices, His Word will go forth. And He says, my Word will never come back void. So, my introduction to witnessing was when my mom took me and my brother from Nazarene Church to the Assembly of God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow is right. <laughs> oh, Ruth, you got that right. And I was eight years old when that happened okay so oh sure yeah I'll take one we'll go you know Seku shared shared a little bit about his background but with, within the uh, at least within the congregation that I was born into it was very very structured it was very I don't want to say stodgy because that's that's really not fair because there's a lot of beautiful people in the Nazarene church but it, 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 there was a liturgy that we followed. Everybody followed it. You, you had the choir would sing a song, and then someone would come up, and we would have a congregational reading. And we've done some of these things before here. And uh, you know, it's it's nice to nice to change those things up because it, it does reflect in part of our tradition. But to go from there to the Pentecostal church, and you know, thank goodness, it, it wasn't it wasn't the snake charmers. But they were a lively bunch. They were a lively bunch. I remember, remember the first Sunday night service that, that I went to, some lady, I don't know where she was keeping it, but she whipped out a tambourine and it had, it had ribbons on it and everything else, and we're right, we're right in the middle of something. She just pop, pop, ba -da, ba -da, ba -da, and then she starts twirling around and dancing around the sanctuary, and I'm just like, never seen anything like that before. So... I, I tell you what, I'm, I just want to thank God that he gave me a mother that loved him. I don't know where I'd be. I'd probably still be locked up. But their form of evangelizing was to hit the streets, 
and we're not going to do that. I don't think probation would take a very kind viewpoint of that. But this is something to think about, and I, and I hope you guys will consider it, and internalizing these things so that when we do have an opportunity to share Christ with others, we can. So let's take a look at this. First point of the, it's called the Roman road. And the reason it's called the Roman road is every scripture and every point of here is right out of the book of Romans. Real easy. First part, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is God's power for salvation. And we read about that. How will they believe unless they hear? And how will they hear unless we tell them? And if we don't believe it, we're not going to tell them. If we're not excited about it, we're not going to tell people. Doesn't mean we have to walk around and be, how's the best way to gently put it? Frozen. Frozen. Well, no, well, I'm thinking about the other way. You know, I, I think we can, we can have a healthy fire for the Lord and a healthy zeal for Him without bashing everybody that comes into our path. <laughs> dogmatic that's a good word for it okay but let's go to point two and this is this is that first point for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God you know going back to Genesis chapter 3 Adam and Eve sinned in their unfallen condition we were born into sin we can't help but sin. We're sinners. That's a hard thing to swallow. But you know, if someone is going through a tough time and they, they know that you've got something that they need and they know that you care about them, they're willing to listen. For all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And what is, what is that penalty? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. This is the heart of the gospel. Is that while we were still dead in our sins, Christ died for us. You know, and Paul talks about it. It's, it's, it's a beautiful story. You know, for a, good, some, for a good person, someone might dare to die. But while we were still sinners, fully guilty, fully culpable, he said, I will die for you. That's amazing. And he offers that forgiveness. All we have to do is receive it. Next point. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's hard to believe that a man will rise from the dead. No doubt about that. I knew a guy on the inside. That was his only problem with Christianity is that he refused to believe that a man would rise from the dead. Not something that happens every day, that's for sure. 
But Jesus was not just a man. He was God incarnate. He was God in the flesh. And he yielded himself to the point of death. And he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Father, I'm trusting you that your work is going to be made complete. And with that, he said, it, was in, it is finished. And he died. And three days later, he rose again. The last point, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if we confess him as Lord, that means we no longer claim right to running our own lives. It's another hard part of the gospel is that we are not going to be the one calling the shots anymore. We're saying, you know what? If you're willing to do this for me and you have that kind of power, then I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to let go of my old life and I'm going to follow him in a new way. And that's all the gospel is. That's all the gospel is. It's a new life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And he offers it to anyone who will receive it. I thank you so much for allowing me to bring a little bit of teaching tonight. I hope there's some things that you got out of it. I hope maybe you will consider one or two people maybe that come across your path that you have been given stewardship to. God's brought your paths together. And I mean, you, th you think about it. You know, the, the word says all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. We may have made decisions 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago that got us here, but God is using that for holy rendezvous. He, he is using those things that otherwise would not have happened if we had not made those decisions. And those are the good things that he can use and make out of those destructive things in our lives. So consider those things. You know, the, the one final word is, the Bible says to be ready in season and out of season to give a defense for the hope that is within you. I can't think of a better reason. He loved me. He gave himself up for me. He died for me. He's changed me. And he's given me a hope. What is there to argue? What is there, what else is there to defend? And he gives that to you. He gives that to everyone who believes. Amen. Peace be with you. There are many people who think that evangelism is elementary. It is not. And every person in here, every person that's in that room over there, um, the Bible says them that were in darkness saw a great light. 
We have been in great darkness. We have a testimony that's extremely powerful. And not only does that, uh, to whom much is given, much is required. So not only does that put the responsibility on us to talk about why um, we feel that Christ is so important, what has happened in our life, and to, to present that, but there are people that we are around often for that very reason. We think it's family, we think it's coworkers, we think it's this, that, and the other. But God is, as you called it, um, you know, I usually remember his acronyms and you called it divine um, rendezvous. Uh, rendezvous. I like that. If I liked it, I should have remembered it, but I can listen to the recording. Um, <laughs> but there's divine rendezvous that we don't even know of. And we think it's for a whole nother reason in all actuality, it's God bringing somebody to us so that we can share the light that we have on the inside of us. So thank you for bringing that to our attention and reminding us of it and the uh, bookmark, because it's definitely staying in there. Uh, let's all stand. And before we dismiss, um, wanna, you already know of this, but I don't think you've been here for one, but this is your first time. Uh, we're celebrating two birthdays today. So we will be doing, we will be singing, and we will be celebrating over there. And, and there's some interesting things about this church. When it comes to doctrine, there's a certain way that we teach. When it comes to worship, we, we're very expressive. When it comes to serving Jesus, we try to stay as orthodox as possible, understanding who he is. There is one unorthodox thing that we practice as a church that he hasn't corrected us yet, and so we keep doing it. And that is that everybody in this church is 25 years old. And next year, they turn 25 years old. And the year after that, it is 25 years old. Now, there are some people that have been 25 several decades over, but for some reason, they're still 25. So today, we are going to celebrate two birthdays for two very young, spring and spry 25-year-olds. So... <laughs> I do hope you joined us. Let's all raise our hands for the benediction. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Let the church say, Amen. God bless you.